If you have a Bible in front of you, would you turn to Matthew chapter 2? Oh, yes, there's a hymn to be sung. Thank you. Okay, we're, we're good, okay. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and then we'll uh, read also in Luke's gospel. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he? who has been born king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent, to them, he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, and behold, uh, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, And in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they were no more. Then in Luke's gospel, chapter 2 at verse 8, 
In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went their way uh, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And we'll conclude our reading at that point. Let's pray. Our Father, this is a familiar story. And we encounter it uh, every year. Uh, The story of those who found Christmas and those who missed Christmas. And we pray, our Father, that you would apply uh, your word to our thinking, to our hearts, to our lives, and that you would summon greater faith from us, that we might uh, embrace the Christ of Christmas and rejoice in his presence. And we pray in his name, amen. For some of you, the name Erwin Rommel will be familiar. Erwin Rommel was an illustrious German general. He was called the Desert Fox because of his campaigns in North Africa. So important was Erwin Rommel that when the German army surrendered to the Americans in Tunisia in 1943, the Germans spirited Erwin Rommel across the Mediterranean Ocean, he was so important uh, to their command uh, and and to their effort that they brought Rommel back to Europe. His next assignment was at Normandy and the Pas de Calais. At, At either place, the Germans anticipated the Allies would invade Europe. And so for a whole year, Erwin Rommel Uh, fortified the positions along the coast, knowing that the Americans and the British were going to invade either at the Pas de Calais or at Normandy. And then in June of 1944, Rommel looked at the weather reports, and the forecast was that uh, the English Channel was going to be... uh, perilous at that particular period of the time and the first week of June. So Rommel decided that he he was going to go to Berlin because his wife's birthday was that week. So he left the Western Wall, traveled to Berlin, and lo and behold, on June 6, 1944, the Allies invaded at Normandy. And Rommel wasn't there. He missed the most important battle of his entire career. 
he missed it entirely. He wasn't present. He wasn't there to provide leadership to the Germans to resist the Allies as they were pressing in from the coast. He missed it. And what we find here in the Christmas story is something like that. We find that people missed the most important event in Jewish history, the arrival of the Messiah. They missed it entirely. It was right there under their nose, and they missed Christmas. The first person who missed Christmas is someone who's not even mentioned in the text, and that's the innkeeper at Bethlehem. You might say, well, why should we even think about the innkeeper at Bethlehem? Because there was an innkeeper at Bethlehem. You see, inns don't manage themselves. They have to be managed. Someone has to deal with the guests who come to the inn. Someone has to cook the meals. Someone has to clean the rooms, see to the care of animals, pay the bills. Every hotel and motel that you have ever stayed at in history, in your history, has had a manager. Someone at the front desk who sees that things get done. And so there was an innkeeper at Bethlehem. And yet he's not a part of the story. We have others who come to the manger, who come to the, the stable where Jesus was born. But the innkeeper is not mentioned, yet he was there. He was there. Now God in his sovereign electing grace brought uh, the wise men from the east and he brought the shepherds to the manger. So they found Christmas, but others who were so close to the event missed it. And the innkeeper is not mentioned as coming to the manger. Now, he did what he could. There was no vacancy when Mary and Joseph arrived at the inn. He couldn't eject people from their rooms. That was a solemn commitment. When you bring someone into a hotel and they occupy a room, that's their room. So he couldn't, he couldn't alter that, that commitment that he had to the guests who had preceded Mary and Joseph. But perhaps he could have sent word through the town and said, we have a woman in her ninth month and she's come to the inn and I have no vacancy. Is there a room in your house that she could occupy at this crucial point in her life? Perhaps he could have done that. But he did what he could and he put them up in the stable where they would be safe from the elements, the wind, and the rain. And God in his sovereign grace also brought Gentiles to the manger. These wise men from the east, the magi, mysterious people who came from a far distance. God in his sovereign grace provided this guiding star and it came and shone over Bethlehem. And they too found the Christ of Christmas. But the innkeeper, even though this happened right under his nose, was not there. What was his mental concern? It was busyness. 
And he's the symbol of those in our day who are so close to Christmas and yet they miss it. They allow all the festivities of the season to crowd out the central significance of Christmas itself. The office parties, the gifts, the decorations, all the travel, everything that has to be brought together for family and business celebrations of Christmas, they're so concerned with those that they miss the central significance of the season itself. Perhaps that characterizes your life, the busyness of the season. The second person who missed Christmas was Herod the Great, the king. He missed Christmas and it was under his nose as well. There was the spectacle of the Magi from the East inquiring about where the Messiah was to be born. They came to, to, uh, to Jerusalem and presented the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? And we read that all Jerusalem was troubled, as was Herod. Now Herod was not a Jew. That is to say his lineage was not Jewish. He was Idumean. He was from a pagan tribe to the south of the land of Israel. Now he did have one Jewish ancestor by the name of Eleazar Maccabeus. But his mother was Nabataean and his father was an Arabian, or a, I'm sorry, a Nidumean, and his mother a Nabataean. These were Arab tribes. And yet Herod was elevated by the Romans to be king of the Jews. First, they appointed him to be king of the area around Galilee to the north. And finally, they elevated him to the kingship of Judea. Now, Herod was not a very good Jew. He was a polygamist. He had 10 wives, eight sons, five daughters. He had three of his sons executed and one of his wives executed, probably for disloyalty. They weren't loyal to their father, and so he had them executed. One thing that Herod wanted was to preserve his power and preserve his dynasty. So now the Magi from the east come and they say, where is he who's born king of the Jews? Now, at the very least, Herod must have understood that the Messiah to come had to be a descendant of David, King David. And Herod was not a descendant of King David, which meant that a new king of the Jews would be a threat to his own dynasty. And so here we have Herod immediately plotting in his mind thinking about how to destroy this threat to his reign and to his dynasty. And so why did Herod miss Christmas? Because of fear. The fear of change. He didn't want change. He liked the status quo. One of his sons would come to occupy his throne to be king of the Jews, and, and Herod did not want any change, didn't want a son of David on the throne of Judea. 
Herod had built the temple, or I should say had rebuilt the temple, the second temple that was built uh, about 500 years uh, before the birth of Christ. It was rebuilt by Herod. And so he was honored by the Jewish people who also saw him as being very irreligious because of his decadent lifestyle. And there was lots of international intrigue during his reign. Intrigue from Rome, from Syria, from Egypt. Kings were being deposed and replaced at the whim of greater rulers. So Herod's great goal was to hold on to power by any means, even the execution of those disloyal to himself, and that meant three of his sons were executed. Now these magi from the east, speaking of a star which guided them and of a messiah, something that he couldn't control was happening under his nose. And it was a threat to his reign, a threat to his dynasty. So he plots to destroy this rival king. Now I want you to consider the supreme impertinence of Herod. Something was happening in his kingdom that had the fingerprints of divine intervention. God was working, bringing magi from the east, a guiding star, the fulfillment of a prophecy. And Herod presumes that he can stamp it all out. He can reverse the course of history. He can reverse what God is doing. He could interfere with the divine purpose. Now, Herod should have heeded Psalm 2. Do you remember Psalm 2? Written by David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. And then the end of that psalm, now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. But Herod didn't heed that psalm. He didn't kiss the son. He didn't honor the Lord who had put his son on Mount Zion. So Herod is the symbol of all of those who encounter Christmas with the desire to make room in their lives for change. People can draw close to Christmas and enjoy the trappings of the season and yet avoid dealing with the central fact behind the season that Christ, the Savior of sinners, has arrived and they are sinful and they need to change. Herod didn't want to change. And people today can approach Christmas but only come so far. They really don't want to change. They don't want to encounter the Christ of Christmas. He was the source of change. They fear drawing close to the Christ of Christmas because if they do, he is going to alter their lifestyle. 
they're going to have to change if they get close to the Christ of Christmas. So they're content with the trappings, with the exterior, and not ever get to the kernel and the nut of the matter, and that is submitting to Jesus Christ. So here we've seen in the innkeeper, busyness kept him from coming to the manger. Fear of change kept Herod from coming to the manger. And there's a third class of people who missed Christmas. And that was the chief priests and the scribes. Herod summoned them and he posed to them the question, where is the Christ to be born? And they answered, uh, they knew the answer and they answered very, uh, very sincerely and openly, in Bethlehem of Judea for the prophet Micah has spoken of that. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. So of all of the men who missed Christmas, this group is the most unexpected. We might have expected them to be thrilled that the Magi, the Gentiles from the east, had traveled such a distance to honor a newborn Jewish king. It would have been so easy for them to send a delegation from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. It was a two-hour walk. They could have sent a committee of three or a committee of five to go and investigate what was happening in Bethlehem, but they chose not to do it. So what was their mental state? People who knew the prophets sufficiently to tell Herod the location of the birth of the Messiah, but themselves, they wouldn't travel there. Well, let me suggest to you that it was indifference. They were self-satisfied, satisfied with their status, satisfied with their position, with their authority, satisfied with the esteem that the public gave to them, satisfied with their knowledge, but they had no hope, no anticipation, no expectation about the Messiah. So unlike the two people in the temple who greeted Mary and Joseph and the, and the baby Jesus when he was presented at the temple, do you remember Simeon and Anna? The Lord directed their attention to the Holy Family and they came up uh, in, in the temple itself and we read about Anna that she was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And we read of Simeon, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So there we have two people who were awaiting redemption, their personal redemption, and awaiting the Messiah who they knew would bring that redemption to bear on their lives. They were waiting expectantly, anticipating his coming. But the scribes and the priests... The teachers of the people didn't have that anticipation. For them, the Messiah was an abstraction, a part of Jewish expectation, but they were really not engaged in that hope. Salvation from sin? We don't need a salvation from sin. We have the sacrifices that God appointed. The imperfect sacrifices? Yeah, but we really don't need anything more than that. Redemption? No. The sacrifices we offer in the temple are adequate. And so for them, it was religious indifference. 
So close and yet so far away from the central significance of Christmas. I wonder about you this morning. Have you found the Christ of Christmas? Or are you missing him? Are you missing him because of your busyness? Are you missing him because you fear change in your life? Are you missing him because of indifference? You know, this is, these are the traditions that we have about Christmas. And, and we'll, we'll, we'll partake of the traditions, but not of the central significance of the season. And that is that God has sent his son to bear the sins of his people. That they might not themselves be condemned, but find eternal life. That's what Christmas is all about. It centers on the coming of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners. And perhaps he is your Savior, or perhaps he's not. And if he's not, I would invite you today, today, while it is still today, to find the central significance of Christmas. Would you come to the manger? Come in your minds. Come according to the scripture. Follow the wise men from the east. Follow the shepherds who left uh, their fields and their, herd, their flocks and went to the manger. Would you follow them and find the Christ of Christmas? Let's pray. Our Father, what joy we have at this season of the year because we have seen your salvation. We have seen it in our mind's eye as we uh, participate in this great observance of the coming of Christ into the world. And as our imaginations are engaged and, and uh, we can see in our mind's eye uh, the root of the Magi from the east and uh, the paths leading from the fields to the manger by which the shepherds came. Our Father, these are wonderful events. And we who have embraced Christ identify with those who have found him. And we want to avoid missing him. We pray, our Father, for those who are far off, that you would bring them near. We pray for those who are in darkness, that you would bring light to them and guide them to the manger. And we pray in Jesus' name.